Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. I want to talk today about um, something that I feel is necessary before we talk about the resurrection. Now, we had a good Friday service, and we talked about the crucifixion, and it was amazing. I'm really thankful for that. Our 12 o'clock and our 6 o'clock service on Friday was uh, amazing. Uh, but I wanted to just kind of talk about that a little bit today. We're at the last Sunday of a series called The Names of God, and today... We're going to be talking about how Jesus is our Redeemer. One of the things that we do at Life Church at the end of every service, what we call our benediction, what we leave the week and, and ask the Lord to help us with, is a scripture. It's a prayer for us. It's a scripture that David wrote in Psalms chapter 19 and verse number 14. It goes like this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now, David did not have the, the understanding of who Jesus was or what he was going to do, but there was the prophecy of the one that was going to come that was going to save us for our, from our sins and I love how David made it very personal there because that's what it's intended to be. It's intended to be something that is very personal. I, I'm thankful that when we talk about being redeemed, we talk about how we have been released from something. That's what redemption is. It's um, specifically a slave that has been purchased. Their freedom has been given to them and and of course, biblically, what it's referring to is the incredible work of redemption that Jesus Christ performed for us, that did for us on Calvary, where he became a substitution for our sins. He paid the ransom price so that we could be redeemed. And when I think about that, I think about how God wants to be our Redeemer, this is not something that he begrudgingly gives us. This isn't something that we have to plead and talk him into it. He has made it his purpose to pay the price for us so that we could be redeemed. And I'd like to take just a few moments talking about the redemption that takes place on the cross before we get to the empty tomb. The empty tomb is only meaningful because of what was accomplished on the cross, and the cross is only validated by what happened because there's an empty tomb. And so when I look at this, I, I think Peter kind of summarizes it when he wrote in his first letter of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, knowing that you, everybody say me, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. It's not something that was paid from, from something that would run or something that would be corrupted or something that would decay. It's, it's not with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Here, here's what Peter is saying here. And I know that's wordy and what is he meaning there? He, 
He's telling us that, that the traditions of the Old Testament are no longer necessary and that's not going to save us. I know a lot of people get so wrapped up in religion, they think that's what's going to save them. But truly what Peter is saying here, it's not those things and it's not even the traditions that we receive of this world of, of accumulating possessions and achieving things in this world. The, the, the Lord's not against that. And, and I think that we should do everything that we could do to be the best person and, and have the best life that we can live. But ultimately... There is something that happens in the redemption and it's with, according to verse number 19, the precious blood of Christ. That, that's what paid the price. That, that's what caused this redemption to come into my life. And, and he says that as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He, he paid the price, ladies and gentlemen. He, he, he paid the price. And he paid the price because I needed to be redeemed. I, I saw somewhere this morning, someone said this fall of man started with nakedness and shame and removed from the presence of God. And it ended with Jesus naked and killing shame so that we could walk back into the presence of God. Because we know the scripture talks about how he hung on the cross and and, and uh, they stripped him of his clothes. And, and I'm thankful that he redeemed us. He bought us back. Amen. And there is an important element to this that we need to consider. I know a lot of times we think about what we are redeemed to. We are redeemed to eternal life. I'm thankful that there is that promise of heaven and of being with Jesus Christ. I, I'm thankful that there is that promise and what I am redeemed to is a, is a righteous life, living a life for the Lord, a life of sanctification and justification. I, I'm thankful I'm redeemed to being adopted into the family of God. Is anybody thankful to be a part of the family of God? Oh my goodness, I, I'm so thankful. I'm thankful that I'm redeemed to peace with God and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's a big part. So I, I'm thankful that I am forgiven. I'm thankful that I am justified. I'm thankful that I am free. I'm thankful that I am adopted. I'm thankful that I am reconciled. That truly is the best life that I could ever live. The best life that I could ever live is not the life that I create on my own ability. This is the way that the scripture describes that kind of life. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. The best life is when I walk into this redemption where the Lord has quickened me and brought me to him and reconciled me into this relationship that he has for me. The very best life that I could ever live is the life that God created for me to live is the life when he created me and gave me certain gifts and certain personality traits. And, and you may not like all of my personality and I may not like all of yours, but God gave it to me and he wants to use it. And this is the life that he created me to live. I'm thankful for that best life. And I wish everyone in this room would just become very, very intentional in trying to find the best life that God has for you and walk in the purpose that he has created for you. But as I walk in that, I'm also thankful that I can see what I am redeemed from. 
And, and Paul gives us some great language in, in the book of Colossians. It, it's very powerful describing the negative, what I've been redeemed from, and the positive, what I've been redeemed to. And, and if you follow with me there in Colossians 1, it'll be on the screen. It says in verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. This is where I'm coming from. This is where I was lost. This is where I had no spiritual feelings, no spiritual ears. I had no ability to, to reach for God. It's only through His goodness that He leads me to redemption. And, and that's what I am being delivered from. But it says I'm being conveyed or I'm being transferred into the kingdom of the son of his love. I, I, I'm moving from one king to another king. Amen. I'm moving from one country to another country. And my old country that I'm delivered from is darkness. The ruler of that is evil and, and is full of depression and sin and death. And I'm being transferred into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And he said himself that I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Amen. In other words, the best life you could ever live is the life that I have created you to live. Peter goes on there to say, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. I, I love that. I love the imagery that he's using there on how we are redeemed from empty lives. I want to read that same passage in another translation, 1 Peter 1, 18, 19, you know that you were bought and made free from sin, by, not by paying gold or silver, which comes to an end, and you know you were not saved from the punishment of sin by the way of life that you were given from your early fathers. Listen to that last sentence. That way of life was worth nothing. <laughs> now that kind of hits us a little bit because... Uh, I know that there's a lot of people in here that work hard. I, I know that you've done your best to, to accumulate some good things for your family. I, I, I'm not talking about that the Lord doesn't want you to work or do those things. I, I think what this scripture is letting us know that when we come to the end of our life, I can't take the car with me. My, my dad pastored this church for 50 years He's been gone uh, almost 10 years now. And, and one of the things that he would always say is, I've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul on the back of it. You know, we just can't take it with us. And uh, it, it's just something that we can't do. That, that's what Peter is saving here, is that way of life is worth nothing because when we move into eternity, all of those things are worth nothing but I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that it moves me beyond concentrating on the possessions and the pleasures of the world and moves me into the place where I'm considering what God wants for me and what God can accomplish in my life. I, I'm glad that he paid with that precious blood, aren't you? I, I couldn't pay for it. Anything that I could use for payment is corruptible. It, it's not going to last. It's not going to be worth anything. But the blood of Jesus has the power. And I love the fact that Peter mentions there he is without blemish. Do you know what that means? That means when he was born into this world, he was perfection. 
There was no blemish on him. He was not born as a sinful creature like I am. No sin nature in him. And then it also says that he is without spot. Do you know what that means? That means that as he walked through this earth and all of the temptation, and he faced every temptation just like we would face. He faced the temptation of the lust of the flesh, of the lust of the eyes, of the pride of life. He faced the temptation of tiredness and weariness and stress and pain and, and, and betrayal and, and isolation, all of those things. And yet without sin, he didn't pick up one spot along the way. And that's why he could redeem us. Amen. I'm thankful for the redemption. Everybody say, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's why we come to today, because when we start talking about the resurrection, we can't talk about the resurrection without talking about the cross. We can't talk about the cross without talking about the resurrection, because it's part of one story. And if you leave a part of it out, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't have the power that the Lord wants us to see. Nancy was mentioning it, and she was referencing the story in the book of Matthew, but I'll read it from the book of John. John chapter 20, verse 1 says, Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Now that passage of scripture sentence right there that's John. He's writing the book. He's talking about himself. Yeah, I'm the one that Jesus loved. You know, he and Peter may have had words over that later. I don't know. I have a feeling Jesus loved everybody, but uh, he, he felt something special with Jesus, and, and uh, he was the youngest disciple. And, and, and so she found these two, and she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. We find in these few words that she is planting the seed in their mind that someone has come and stolen the body of Jesus out of the tomb. Maybe it's the Romans. Maybe it's the high priest and his slaves. I don't know who it is, but we don't know where they've taken him now. And then Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple, remember John's talking about himself. I outran Peter is basically what he's saying. I'm a little bit younger. I had better lungs. I outran the guy. I reached the tomb first. And, and, and the Bible says that when he gets there, John telling the story, I stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings laying there. Now, now I want you to just start thinking about that for a moment. Why, if they're taking the body out of the tomb and stealing it, why are they leaving the linen wrappings there? And I believe that John is saying this because that was his thought process. He's looking and, and he sees it, but he, he's not ready to go in yet. And here comes Simon Peter. He has no problem with boldness. Then Simon Peter arrived. He went inside and he also noticed the linen wrappings laying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Man, I just love that Jesus took the time in his resurrected, powerful, glorious body to fold a cloth and lay it there 
so that the disciples could see it just like it was going to be. And the scripture says, then the other disciple, of course, he's talking about himself, who reached the tomb first, bragging again. He also went in. Listen to this passage right here. He saw and he believed. <laughs> he saw and in a moment he understands. I can see now what's going on here. I see these linen wrappings and how they are laid out just like the body of Jesus was laid out. I see this cloth that is folded and how it's sitting there. I, I see and I believe. And he goes on to say, for until, they, for until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Oh my goodness, they had heard all of these scriptures of the Messiah. They had heard that death was not going to hold him. But in this moment, they saw and believed the change that took place because of the empty tomb. And I've got to tell you this morning, it's still bringing change to thousands and thousands and thousands of people on a daily basis because he is alive. Hallelujah. It's convincing me even this morning, more and more convincing me about the power of Jesus Christ and and the story of the resurrection. So, so what does it mean to us today? More than just clapping our hands and more than just celebrating that, that he is alive. I'll tell you what it means. It, it means, first of all, that we can look at God and we can look at that empty tomb and we can understand that God loves us, that his love is unconditional and that his love is amazing. It's not something I deserved. It's not something that I earned. It is something that is given to me. As a matter of fact, Paul says it like this in the book of Romans chapter five and verse number six. He said, when we were utterly helpless, can you say helpless? helpless. Utterly helpless. In other words, no power, no ability, no uh, any any type of a, 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 a strength in myself. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people are not willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps die for a person who is especially good. Verse number eight says, but God showing his Great love. Oh, it's not just a small love. It's just not a, a, a passing love. It's not just a casual love. It is a great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were sinners, while we were hopeless, while we were helpless, while we were powerless. And, and that, that just tells me that if he did that, that his love for me must be so big. As a matter of fact, I believe that there is nothing I could do that would make him love me less. I believe that he's already shown the depths of his love by going to the cross, but not only dying on the cross, by being resurrected, picking his life back up again so that it gives me a future and a hope. I may be weak and powerless, but my God is amazing. And even when I was unrighteous, a sinner, even when I was opposed to everything that God stands for, I was a sinner. I was dead in my sins. I was in opposition to him. 
He loved me. And that kind of love is amazing. That's what I see when I see the empty tomb. I see the incredible love of God. The second thing that I see when I look at the empty tomb is I see that God's power is bigger than my problems. Now, I'm not going to try and diminish problems because we have problems, don't we? And we have issues that we have to deal with. And we have sicknesses and we have financial problems and we have all type of moral issues and we have our own stinking brain that we have to use to think with. I'm not going to try and diminish that because it's real. The battle is real. What I am going to tell you is that whatever my problems may be, his power is greater than my problems. The empty tomb tells me that there is nothing that he cannot conquer. If he can conquer death and hell and the grave, then whatever my problem that I'm facing today, he is able. Amen. And I know, I know that death is something that is the big deal in our life. I've been pastoring now for 34 years and I've spoken to many people. I've even gone in to people that were on their deathbed and perhaps only had a day or so to live. And, And even at that point, most of the time, people can't say when I die. They still say if I die. Because we're uncomfortable with death. I don't want to talk about it, but sometimes I have to talk about it, you know, to let my family know the plans and and, and what I'm dreaming about for their future. And, and, and man, when I start talking about it, my kids like, no, 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 whoa, 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 don't talk. Dad, don't talk about that. When, when, when I start speaking to Nancy about something uh, about that or, or, or something that would happen, you know, if I ever die, of course, uh, no, I'm just joking there. I know that I'm going to. Nancy is quick to say, James, I don't want to talk about that. Don't talk about that. That's morbid. Don't talk about that. I understand it. It is a difficult conversation to have. It is awkward. It is painful. It is uncomfortable. And even though medically we have learned how to postpone it and and, and thank God for good medicine, good doctors, we, we know that that is something that is a big problem. And the tune tells me that even with that problem, God's power is greater. John chapter 11 tells an amazing story. It talks about Lazarus. Lazarus was a friend. This is the way that Jesus told his disciples, Lazarus, whom we love, is sick. He was was close. He was a friend. And and it doesn't tell what his sickness was, but but he was sick. And and the thing that you would hope at that moment is that Jesus says, come on, guys, we got to hurry and get to Bethany. But according to what the scripture says, Jesus went the other way. It's not something we like to hear. But when you know the end of the story, you're not necessarily in the the stress of getting there in the moment. And a lot of times we're so stressed asking God to get here at this moment when he knows the end of the story. And his delay does not mean a no. His delay means I've got a better story to tell than what you think I'm going to tell. And he arrives finally after Lazarus has been dead for four days. This morning I said four years. That's not correct. It was only four days. (laughs) And when he arrives, Martha comes out. Martha's always the outspoken one. And 
And the first thing she says is, if you would have been here. In other words, we had a problem that you could have solved. Now you're too late and you can't solve this problem. And guess what? Mary does the same thing, almost the same words. If you would have been here, this would have been different. He wouldn't have died. The, the people that had gathered there in Bethany, they, they said, look at him. He healed the blind man. If he would have been here in time, in other words, he can solve some problems, but he's too late now. And then he goes to the tomb and he says, roll that stone away. And, and Martha is still like, wait a minute. This is beyond what you can accomplish, Jesus. He's been dead four days. It's not going to be a good odor coming out of there if you open that tomb. Because so many times we're convinced that there are certain things that are beyond the scope of what he can accomplish. And I'm just here to tell you today that just as he said, Lazarus, come forth, and he did, his power is greater than any problem that I may be facing. And as a pastor, I don't say that lightly because I have spent years helping people walk through difficult problems. I know that problems sometimes completely capture our life. I just want to give you a little hope today if you're going through one of those problems that the tomb is empty, that he is the conqueror of death, hell, and the grave. And while I may not understand everything that is happening, I know that I can trust him and that he will walk through me, with me, through all of these situations. He turned to Mary and said, don't you know that I am the resurrection? I am the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. I, I believe the words of Jesus Christ here. I believe that there is that promise of eternal life. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? In him is life. He is the resurrection he is the one that has the power to lay it down his life and pick it up. He is the one that holds my life in his hands. And I don't like it when those lives are laid down. I have a, a mother and a father that are buried down in the Houston area. And I, I think about them all the time. I don't like it, but I woke up early this morning knowing that there was a resurrection and one of the thoughts were that's not their final resting place because it's just a time for a moment until that great moment. Oh, I, I, I think I'm thankful for the tomb. I'm thankful that it shows the love of God. I'm thankful that it shows that his power is greater than my problems. The third and the last thing that I think we can really learn today or understand today is that the empty tomb tells me that God's plan for my future is better than my past. I think many times of those disciples, from the moment Jesus is arrested, I, I have a feeling that while they may have been, dis, been discouraged, they were waiting for the big wow moment. I, I, they, they saw him. I mean, they saw him walk on water. They saw, saw him feed the thousands. I, 
I know they deserted him, but I just have a feeling that they're still waiting for the wow moment when, when the Roman Empire will really feel the power of Jesus Christ. I, I think that they're there, and, and, and maybe, it's, maybe it's gradual that they start losing their faith or losing their thoughts of victory, and, and finally he's dead. I've thought many times, you know, what, what is their thoughts between that Friday and that Sunday morning? What, what, what is, I know the scripture talks about how they were in locked rooms. They were fearful for their life. They, they wonder, well, if it's happened to Jesus, will it happen to us? We've been a part of this. And, and, and really, their future was over. Everything that they had poured in to their life was done. But God's plan for my future is better than my past. I mean, he told them, greater works will you do than I have done. He he has something for them. And even on the night, just before he is betrayed by Judas, he, he says to them, In John chapter 14, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. This this hit me this morning. Because I believe that we're living in a world where many people's hearts are troubled. We're living in a world that is seemingly attacked by the spirit of division. There's so much hatred and war and vision in the world today. I mean, you look at any part of the world, there is chaos. It's something that is stirring. And, and, and if we ever have needed the message that Jesus is giving, it, it's really the day that we're living in. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I, guys, I, you're not going to understand this, but I want you to know that in my Father's house are many mansions if it, were no so, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. I, I go. I, I, I've got something in the future for you. And, and, and the, the crucifixion and the, the empty tomb tells us that the story isn't over. That there is something that he has for us. I, I don't know who everybody in this room is, and I don't know what all you brought into this room, but I'm going to tell you, that, that he has plans for your future and your future plans through God are greater than whatever's happened in your past. It's more powerful than, what, than whatever's happened in your past. A few months ago, I spoke here about how to start over. There's a lot of people that just need to start over. And, and one of the things that I said in that message that I spoke here is that God is more interested in your future than he is in your past. And many times in a setting like this, God is so interested in what can happen in us and what he wants to do in us. But as a pastor, I know that many times we're stuck in what didn't happen. And we're stuck in the failures that we had. And we're stuck in the past of what mistake we made. And I asked the question on that Sunday, and I really felt to bring it back this morning and ask it again. And the question is, what memory or failure in your life 
is completely manipulating your emotions, your future, your thoughts. What, what failure do you have or what problem do you have or what, what, what sick, what, whatever it is, what, what is it that is continually manipulating? Every time it comes up, you, you're thinking, man, I wish I would have never done that. I regret that. Has anybody ever had those thoughts besides me? I, I, I regret that in the creation that he didn't place a rewind button somewhere on us so that we could rewind and do those things over without making the mistakes that we've made. And, and this is what I have learned that many times when God is trying to reach us for the future and what he wants to do with us, we are fixated and captured by the failures of our past. It may not even be our failure. It may be somebody else's failure that was close to us. It may be a tree that we looked up to that fell and bruised us. It may be something, and we're carrying this, and the whole time God is saying, come on, I've got more for you, and we're allowing our past to be controlled by that mistake. I, I don't want to be consumed about the thoughts of my failures. I want to be consumed with God's vision for my tomorrow. I do not want to be consumed with the thoughts of the times that I have been down and out. I want to be consumed and overwhelmed with the good things that God has for me because this is what I believe. I believe that God's got good things for us, that he wants to do things in our life and that it's not so much where I've been, it's where I'm going now and that's what counts in the eyes of God. And when I see the empty tomb, this is what I know, that God has a better future for me, that God has something for me, and it's not just a small upgrade. I, I, I kind of like upgrades, I have to tell you, I like upgrades, but tonight, or actually Monday morning at 12.30, Nancy and I are getting on a flight, and, and we're flying from here to Taiwan. It's a 16-hour flight. We land in Taiwan for three hours, then we fly into Manila, and uh, we're going to our uh, Imus home there, which is a home that we've started to rescue homeless children off of the streets of Manila. 118 uncre incredible, beautiful children. I can't wait to see them. And, and you know what would be awesome if we got to the airport and uh, they would say, Mr. and Ms. Kilgore, you're just so amazing. And you're su just such good customers. We want you to get up at the front of the plane. That's where the big seats are. Those seats you can lay down in. You know, those upgrades. Uh, unfor uh, unfortunately, Nancy and I are at the back of the plane with our tickets. <laughs> and there's about three or four different levels, you know, you can be upgraded to. And, and a lot of times when I'm back in the very back, I, I like to sit on the aisle and, and, and I'll, I'll just look up before they close the curtains and say, you cannot look in this area of the plane. You can't even look in this area. I look at those seats and I think, man, that would be nice. <laughs> if we get one upgrade, I'm going to let you take it, baby. I just want you to know that. All these people are witnesses here. <laughs> but the upgrade that I have with the tomb is, is, is not an upgrade like going from one class to another. The, the upgrade is I'm actually going from I was dead in my trespasses and sin. And Jesus has now given me life and I'm living the life that he has called me to live. That's 
how amazing it is. I, I, I want you to find the best life that God has for you. That, that's what Easter is all about. Easter is more than a Bible story. It's every year God giving people the chance to relive and understand the better story that He has for your life. And, and this is what I think. And I may be biased in this, but God called me to be the pastor of a local church. I personally think that the local church is the very best place for you to find what God has for your life. I believe Pastor Nick, Pastor Kendra do an amazing job as the campus pastors here. I, I, I personally believe that if people will give one year to a church, just come and listen to sermons, apply the word of God to their life. Come in and worship with a body. Learn, learn, to, learn to have fellowship with people that are headed in the right direction. I believe that in one year, the life change is unbelievable what God can do in your life. Beyond your imagination. I, I know. I, listen, I've heard it all. I know what a bad rap churches have gotten. I know, I know that churches have hypocrites in them. So if you're looking for hypocrites today, you're going to find some. I mean, you're going you're to find. This is what my dad said. I'll just say one more thing he said. If you're looking for the perfect church, please don't go there because when you go, it'll be ruined because you're not perfect. <laughs> I say all that to let you know we're not perfect. We have our problems. I said Lazarus was in the grave four years this morning. <laughs> I told Benjamin, I said, well, it's a better story, four years. <laughs> Should I just go with that? He said, no, this probably need to stay in the scripture. I said, okay. But this is what I do know. That in my life, when I've had problems and I need people to pray with me, I found people in the church that would pray with me. When I was going through situations, some walked away, yeah. But I know that there's a lot of people that came right up next to me. And gave me the support and the strength that I needed to walk through every situation I've gone through. And more than that, the years that I've sat in church and heard the awesome word of God. It's just started permeating my life. The, the times that I've worshipped the Lord with others. I'm telling you, if you give church a chance, it makes a difference in your life. Does anybody have a witness about that? Is there anybody who can confirm that? Amen. Amen. And our purpose at Life Church is to help people discover the life that God has for you. I, I, I would encourage you after service today to connect with Pastor Nick, Pastor Kendra. Get, get connected with them. Get connected with this local church. Find out what God has for you. We want you to know God and find freedom and discover the life that God has for you. And, and ultimately, we want you to make a difference in the world around you. Well, Pastor, I just came in for a sermon. It's just Easter, but this is what I want to tell you. In the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and 9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. I want you to know that God has something better for you. That God has something better for you. That we've only scratched the surface of God's blessings. I wonder, is anybody thankful for the empty tomb? I'm thankful that it tells me about God's love. I'm thankful that it tells me about God's power. And I'm thankful that it tells me about my purpose. Will you stand with me and let us give the Lord just a great hand clap of love and appreciation. We love you, Jesus.
We praise your name. Our hand clap is a praise to you. Now, the team is coming up and, and, and we're almost through. I pray that you would just stay with me for just a few more moments. I, I just want to tell you this. That best life that you can live, this is how it starts. Perhaps the greatest scripture in the Bible. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. You, you know what I said about John? He runs, he looks in, and he goes in and he sees and he believes. And it changed his life. That's where it starts for you today. That's where it starts for us if we just start believing. It starts at belief. That's where my salvation starts being active in my life when I start believing in that unconditional love of God. It starts my amazing walk with the Lord. Today is Baptism Sunday. That's another step. We baptized three between our services today. Some of you saw that as we were walking up. So maybe that's the step that you need to take, uh, that step of, of being intentional, of, of taking it. I mean, that's what, that's what this little, it's just saying, you know what? I know you have a better life for me, for God, so I'm going to take notes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at them. I'm going to pray for people. I'm going to let you talk to me. It, it's just being intentional. And while today is a day of celebration, this is a dangerous question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Who's looking forward to a good lunch with your family? I am. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful day of celebration. Christ is risen. Let's celebrate at church. Let's go with our family. Let's have a good day. Let's rejoice. But here's something else that today could be. It could be a day of decision. It could be a day where you decide, you know, I, I was once committed and I've fallen away, I'm going to recommit myself. Or, or maybe you're the one that says, I've never really been a follower of Jesus Christ, and today is the day that I'm going to make the decision that I will follow Him, and that I will live with Him, live for Him. Maybe because it's Baptism Sunday, you make the decision, today is the day I want to be baptized. Pastor Nick's going to tell you, but we have everything that you need. We have clothes, towels, air dryers. We have everything you need, and and oh, what a beautiful thing it is to see people baptized on Easter. I mean, Paul even said it in Romans, when we're baptized, it's like we go into the tomb with him, into his death. And when we come out, we come out in life like he came out. This is a great day to be baptized. And so I, I know Pastor Nick's going to say more about this. But if you have that connect card and, and, you, and you feel like that the Lord is moving, you take, take the time to check one of those things on the back where you want to see life change and Make sure that we have it when, we, uh, when you leave today. Now, this is what I'd like to do to close. And when I close, the team is going to lead us in a chorus. And then Pastor Nick's going to come up and, and, um, and close it out and dismiss you. But before you go, I, I want to pray for you. And one more time, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being here on this beautiful day. It's good to see everybody. And I pray that we see you again. And I just want to pray that the Lord's blessings will be on you. Will you just close your eyes, bow your head all over the auditorium. Lord, thank you so much for today. 
What a celebration in our heart to know that you are risen. I, I felt the excitement in those songs that we sang earlier when we talked about you being risen in the power of the blood. There's just, there's just such a rejoicing and such a celebration in our heart today, dear Lord, to know that you are alive and that you love us. And, and Lord, this is what we want to take away from it. We, we want to we take from this place the incredible depth of your love for each and every one of us. There, there may be somebody in this room, Lord. There probably is somebody in this room, Lord, that doesn't feel loved. And maybe they've gone through things. And I just pray that even today they would open their heart to really experience the incredible depth of your love for them, Lord. I, I pray, dear Lord, that that people that are going through problems and situations would feel your power and, and they would know that you're there to help them and walk with them and that, and that the end of the story that you have, Lord, is greater than maybe the story that they're living in right now. And I, I know, dear Lord, that there are people here that, that they are so overwhelmed by mistakes that they've made and failures that they've had, but Lord, come close today and let them know that their future is more important to you than their past. And you went through everything so that when they say, forgive me, Lord, that you will forgive and forget and cast that sin away. And we can stand before you justified, Lord. I thank you for today and I thank you for your presence. Truly, Lord, we're standing on holy ground not because of this property or not because of this building, but because you are here, God. And we're thankful for that. I just pray your blessings and your help on everyone here today, dear Lord. Let us live that best life that you have for us to live. Let us be so determined to find what you have for us that we will let nothing stop us. But with everything in our life, we'll walk with you and will live for you. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you.